Well, good morning again. You guys get to hear from me for the second week in a row. You guys ready to hear from Dave a little bit more, I'm sure. Isn't it good to have Dave and Casey back today? We love having them here with us, our new pastor. Um, I mean, you know, it's good having them here, but let's be honest, we won that war, right? Don't, uh, don't buy what he's selling if he comes to you and he tries to tell you that they let us win, all right? We earned our independence. Well, our forefathers did. So praise God for that. That's awesome. Hey, we're in the middle of a series uh, we started last week called The Forgotten Virtues. And the idea behind the series that we're looking in right now is that there are these virtues that are a part of our character. And our character is important to God, and therefore it needs to be important to us. And so last week, if you were here with us, and Dave alluded to it a moment ago, we talked on the subject of honor, and we talked specifically about how God... God's desire for us, if you call yourself a child of God, is that we would live lives where we honor others, where we look at the value that God has placed in everyone. God has placed extreme value, treasure within the heart of every person, and it's our job as his children to find it, identify it, draw it out, even when it's difficult. It's, it's, it's a great privilege that we have. I encourage you to be people who honor others, people who look for the good, people who find it and draw it out. I, I promise you, like we said last week, as you do that, watch how it changes your life, and then watch how it changes the lives of those you're honoring. I promise you, it's one of the principles that God uh, looks to and God highlights in, in the Word. Uh, another one that we're looking at this week is the idea of integrity. So today I want to start off by just, you know, let's all talk about what integrity is. So what is integrity? Um, I don't know what the Merriam-Webster dictionary version is. I didn't really look it up too much. But here's what I know integrity is from my experience. And here's what's been told to me. Integrity, as I, it's been defined to me, is when your walk matches your talk, okay? So it's when your actions match who you say you are and who you communicate that you are through your words and through what you stand up for and what you believe. But here's what I want to say today. I would say that when your walk matches your talk is a good definition for, of integrity in most settings, but I would say it's kind of inadequate when it comes to us as followers of Christ. Because just like we talked about last week, and this is kind of where I want to go today, I want to kind of show you the end before we get there and kind of work our way there. Uh, last week, if you were here with us, we talked about how honor is not honor if it doesn't flow from the heart. Jesus said that these, these, these religious leaders in his day honored, them, honored him with their lips. They were saying the right things, but they were not honoring him from their heart. And so in the eyes of God, Honor flows from the heart. And I, this is what I want to stand on for this entire series, is that everything that we talk about, honor, integrity, gratitude, loyalty, it all flows from our hearts. And our heart is the center of who we are. And here's the thing I know about the heart. That's what matters to God. See, so often in my estimation, I feel like in, in church in general, in church in general, we get caught up in what I would call behavior modification. We get caught up thinking, well, if, I, if I'm going to be a follower of Christ, I've got to do these certain things, and all God cares about is me behaving a certain way. And I'm here to tell you today that that's not the end game for God. God is not 
here to make you a better version of yourself. God wants to change your heart and then see your heart affect how you live. And so when we're talking about integrity, we're talking about integrity that starts deep within and it's the kind of integrity that flows up out of us so that our words match our heart, so that our actions match our heart. Here's what David said, King David, way back centuries and centuries ago, he prays this prayer. He says, I know, my God, that you examine our hearts. And here's what he, did. he says. He says, you rejoice when you find integrity there. God examines the heart. And he rejoices when he finds integrity there. So that tells me two things. As I already said, number one, integrity flows from there. True integrity. But then secondly, this matters to God. Because when he sees integrity in your life, he rejoices in that. He rejoices in that. So, going back uh, many, many, many years ago, uh, my, I have, as you guys know probably by now, I have five kids, and, and uh, one of my sons in particular was really big on the movie Toy Story when it was, you know, first a thing, I guess. And, and my son loved Toy Story. It was kind of, you know how it seems like, see, in my experience, Kids kind of gravitate towards one thing, and then that becomes their obsession, or at least in my family, that's been the case. Um, in, in this one particular, so I have two boys, and one of them gravitated towards Woody, and one of them gravitated towards Buzz. And there was this obsession in our home where they just loved these characters, and they would watch the movies over and over. We had to buy three or four copies of the movie because they kept, we wore them out so many times. We had the VHS at first, then we had DVD, then we bought Blu-ray. I think we wore them all out. And, uh, and my one son in particular, when he was about three years old, uh, he was just, he just, Woody was his everything. And we decided that we were going to go to Disney World um, right around his third birthday. So we took that kids to Disney World. And as you know, uh, if you have kids and you go to any kind of Disney park, one of the great joys of being there is seeing the smiles on their faces and their faces light up when they interact with the characters that they've seen in the movies. You know what I'm talking about? Probably many of you have been there. And so we took our kids there and we were telling them, guys, we're gonna see Woody, we're gonna see Buzz, we're gonna see, you know, we're gonna see Cinderella and whatever else they were obsessed with. And, and so we're telling them all these things and they're getting excited, they're getting the, the anticipation, the faces are glowing. We get to the first to the parks on the first day, we go to the Magic Kingdom, which is a, kind of a good park, you know, for uh, for running into the characters and stuff. We heard that Woody hangs out over in Adventureland and he does this whole thing where he meets with kids and does pictures and High fives them over in Adventureland. So we made our way over in that direction. We get over there, and, uh, and, and one of the staff, the cast members, tells us uh, he'll be out in about 10 minutes. So we're like, okay. So we're talking to him, and we're like, bud, Woody's gonna be out here in a few minutes. And he's like, so excited. And he's so pumped, and his face is lit up, and he's jumping around, and he's just excited. And after about 10 minutes, Woody walks out saunters out like a cowboy, you know, and stands kind of in the middle and does his little wave thing and everything. And my son is just sitting there, not having any of it. He's just staring at him like this, like, you know, hands in his pockets. Like, he's like not buying it. He's sizing him up. And he's not saying anything, but I, I went over to him and his body language was saying this, that's not the real Woody. <laughs> that is not the real Woody. I asked my son about this memory just recently. I said, hey, do you remember that? What was going through your mind? He said, oh my gosh, I do remember. He said, he said, you know what was frustrating about that for me? 
You guys told me we we're gonna beat Woody. In the movies, Woody is a 12-inch doll that talks. And this is a six-foot cowboy with a square jaw and a puffy chest, you know, belly, because of the padding and the costume. He was like, I knew that wasn't the real Woody, and I was ticked off when you guys deceived me all that time. Can you relate to that feeling though? When you when you build yourself something up in your mind, there's somebody who you look up to, there's somebody who you think is this certain thing, and then you come to find out that it's just an actor. It's just somebody playing a part. It's somebody pretending to be something that they really are not, and it leads to a certain sense of disappointment. And for some of us, it leads to disillusionment. You know, <clears throat> one, of the, one of the primary things, you know, whenever people do surveys of, of non-believers, non-Christians, non-followers of Christ, whatever you want to call them, people who don't identify um, with our faith, and they ask them questions like, what is it about Christianity that turns you off? Why have you not, you know, and, and one of the things that always comes up in the top two or three answers on all of these surveys is what do you think it is? It's the lack of integrity in the people of God. It's the, it's the people who say that they're one thing and live their lives another way. The hypocrisy of it. When I was, I don't know if you'll be able to, uh, this may catch you by surprise, but when I was a little guy, I was quite the stage actor. Um, and uh, in second grade at Alliance, Alliance, Central Grade School in Alliance, Nebraska, I was the lead in the Ugly Duckling play. It's a pretty big deal around town. Got some pretty good reviews from what I remember. Um, Great performance, I'm quite sure. Um, but but I was the ugly duckling, the lead in that play. In fifth grade, I was the elf number five in uh, the Christmas play. In some of our church productions that we did as I was growing up, I was one year I was Gabriel the angel, um, and another year I was Sherlock. I was uh, Watson in a Sherlock Holmes and Watson investigation into what is the real meaning of Christmas. You know, it was compelling stuff. It really was. Um, and. Uh, and, but here's the thing, like at that age, I, I, was, I, I was playing the part of the ugly duckling, but I was neither ugly, and I was not a duckling for sure. I was not ugly, I promise you that. I was a cute kid, my mom tells me anyway. Uh, I, I was, I, so I was not an ugly duckling, but I played the part. I was not an elf, but I played the part. I was not an angel, but I played the part. You, you see where I'm going with this? Do you know what the Greek word is for an actor? For somebody who plays the part and pretends to be something that they are not. You know what the word is? Hypocrites. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but somewhere along those. Hypocrites. Can you think of the American word, the English word, we'll call it American. Uh, the, Amer the American word that we have, that we get from hypocrites. What would that be? Hypocrite, obviously, right? So what is a hypocrite? A hypocrite is an actor. A hypocrite is somebody who plays a part pretending to be something that they clearly are not. And their actions show them to be otherwise. I'm here to tell you today that in the life of a believer, integrity is something we must live by. It is something that we must cling to. It is a virtue that we must seek. If it's lacking in our lives, we must seek it and find it. And we must move our lives in the direction where we live according to integrity. 
So I'm going to talk to you today about three principles, uh, three scriptural principles on the subject of integrity. I'm just going to highlight these. The first one that I want to tell you about is this. Integrity, according to the Bible, is your protection. Integrity is your protection. Alright? So here's a couple verses that back that up. In Psalm chapter 25, 21, the psalmist writes this. May integrity and honesty protect me, for I put my hope in you. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 7 says this. He, meaning God, is a shield to those who walk with integrity. All throughout the Bible, there are these principles that God uh, puts in the, the, the scriptures. And there are things that he calls us to, you know, like standards or some kind of thing that we're supposed to um, try to live to. Now, one thing you guys need to know about me, I am a, I am a big proponent of grace. Y'all know what grace is? Let me define it for you. Grace is God's favor is on you, not because you've earned it, not because you deserve it, not because you've done anything to merit that. There is nothing about God's favor that is upon you that is because of you. It's all because of Him. God's grace is all about Him. It's always been about Him, and He puts His favor on you. He loves you. And so, guys, listen to me. When you look at the scriptures and you see things, and you see these principles, and God calls us to live in a certain way, it's not for the purpose of, of becoming more accepted by God. It's not for the purpose of earning any more love from Him, because He couldn't possibly love us more than He does. Here's what these principles are all about. These principles that we're talking about, and this is one of them, are ways that we show, that we, that we uh, put our action behind our faith. God says, this doesn't make sense, but trust me in this area of your life. Do it my way and watch me take care of you. That's what these principles are. I'm going to tell you right now, tithing, we took up our offering a few moments ago, tithing and generosity, that's the principle of God. I don't know how it makes sense that if I give uh, a tenth of what I make to the Lord, uh, He blesses and, and protects the other 90%. So it, as I was taught growing up, it goes farther than the original 100% would have. That's a spiritual principle, and it doesn't make sense at all. But I'm telling you guys, it's God's math, it's God's way, and when you do things God's way, you see His protection over you and his blessing over you in ways that you didn't expect. This is one of those principles. Honor was one that we talked about last week. If you live a life of honor, you will see God's favor and grace flow to you in ways that we talked about it with the, the, the one commandment. There are ten of the ten original commandments, the ten rules that God's people were called to live up to, and there was one of the ten that had a promise connected to it. Nine of them were do this, don't do that, but there was no promise attached to it. One right in the middle was honor your parents and you will live a long and happy life, which happy refers to prospering in every area of your life in the scriptures and in the land that God has given you. So this is a principle. So getting back to the integrity principle, if integrity is your uh, your lifestyle, here's what happens when you, when you live a life of integrity. God says, I will protect you. At some point in your life, somebody's going to bring some kind of accusation against you. Somebody's going to, whether it's verbal or whether it's kind of more subtle. You know how sometimes people can be sneaky and they lead people to believe that you did something or said something, but they don't actually say it because they know it's not true, but they want other people to get that bad feeling about you. And then before long, your reputation is ruined, <coughs> excuse me, and you haven't done anything that you're being accused of. Have you ever, hopefully you've not experienced that, but that happens. Here's what God's word says. I will protect you. 
Integrity is your shield. Integrity is your means of safety from accusations, from anything that somebody would try to bring against you. God says he is a shield to those to walk who walk with integrity. The one example I can think of in the Bible, the clearest example, if you know the story of Daniel, you guys know that story? Daniel was a, a man of integrity. Daniel was the same in private as he was in public. Daniel was a man who had some enemies because the enemies were jealous of him, and they set him up to uh, be accused of breaking a law, that were, you know, breaking a law. And, and, and the rule said, or the law said, that if you break this law, the punishment is death. And so he was accused of breaking this law, and he was thrown in a lion's den to be mauled and devoured by lions. And if you've never heard this story before, the miracle of it is that God literally shut the mouths of the lions and left, and, he let, and they left him alone. That's the principle of protection. Integrity is your protection. It is your shield, and it's something we all must live by. Secondly, integrity is your peace. Everyone say peace. Integrity is my peace. You know, integrity is my peace. What does that mean? Proverbs chapter 10, verse 9 says this. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but whoever takes crooked paths will be found out. Man, that's kind of heavy, right? You know, especially if you feel like, man, is there any crooked path that I've taken? Is there any secret I've been hiding? Is there any, you know, thing that I don't want people to know about the way I'm living my life? Let me tell you something about secrets. Secrets are like mold. Mold grows and, and, and gets bigger and bigger in darkness. But when the light, you know, bright light is shown on it, or when you, when you have that chance to deal with it when it's brought out in the light. But when it's back in the darkness, man, it just grows and grows and grows and grows. That's what secrets are. When we have, uh, uh, like, things that we know that aren't right, things that we're doing, things we're saying, things we're looking at, places we're going, things that we know we shouldn't be doing, but yet, and because God's word says that those things lead to destruction, it's not because God doesn't want you to have fun, you got to understand that about God's standards. It's never been about him saying, hey, do it my way because I don't, don't want to limit your fun and I want to make sure you do, you know, it's always about our protection. It's always because he knows that the things that he has made off limits are destructive. And so, and so the, the, the proverb there promises that when we walk in integrity, we walk securely. In other words, I don't have to sit here in my life and wonder if there's anyone in this room who knows my dark secrets. You know what I mean? I can't imagine that feeling of living that double life. You know what I mean? Like, like uh, if you can think back to the 1980s, if you were alive or old enough to remember this, in the 1980s there were a lot of big name pastors that had TV ministries that were well known across the country who fell because of lacks of integrity. They were preaching one thing on Sundays and, and on TV, and on the rest of the week, one of them was sleeping with multiple prostitutes. One of them was uh, embezzling millions of dollars from his ministry and buying Rolls Royces and all this other stuff. Uh, you know, it was a lack of integrity. And, and, and for, for somebody to have to stand up in a position like this or to do what you do every day and feel like, oh man, I hope nobody knows. That's got to eat at your soul. 
That's got to destroy you to a point where you're like, I don't know how I can keep going on like this. Integrity is your peace. The only way to avoid the anxiety that comes from what if somebody finds out my, my secrets is to be who you are and, 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 and be who you say you are and um, let that integrity flow from your heart. Here's the third thing. Integrity is your legacy. It's your legacy. This is, uh, at the end of King David's life, his son Solomon was anointed to be the next king. And God, through this prophet, through the prophet Samuel, is, is, is talking to, king, to the next king, King Solomon. And he, he's setting up his kingdom. He's saying, listen, do things my way, things are going to go well for you. Here's what God says to Solomon at this moment. He says, as for you, Solomon, if you will follow me with integrity and godliness, just as your father David did, obeying all of my commands, decrees, and regulations, then I will establish your throne and the throne of your dynasty over Israel forever. So God is making this promise. If you do things my way, if you live as you say you live, if you live according to my standards, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to establish a, a good, and this is a positive thing, you know, this is a, the dynasty of your throne will be over Israel for eternity. Now that's a pretty good thing. See, from my perspective, as a father, here's what I know. My integrity affects my children. And that integrity affects their children someday. What I, the integrity or lack thereof that I show in my life right now ends up affecting generation after generation after generation in my family. Now, you may have come from a, a family where uh, you had a parent or somebody who was one completely different thing from what they said they were, and there was a lack of integrity there. That doesn't mean you have to pass on. Uh, you know, there, there is an opportunity to sever ties with the old and say, hey, whatever junk I've got hanging over my head because of this legacy my parents have handed down to me and my grandparents, I'm saying it's enough. Enough is enough. I'm not going to be a fake. I'm not going to be a phony. I'm not going to act like I'm one thing on Sunday and live a different life on the rest of the week or you know, in my heart or in my, my private moments. I'm not going to do that. This is not who I am. I'm going to pass down a legacy of integrity. See, I'm a pastor's kid, and I'm so thankful. I am so thankful that my parents are people of integrity. My childhood was awesome because my parents were exactly who they claimed to be. They were exact, there was no pretense, there was no fakeness about them. But I have another friend who I grew up with who went down a pretty dark path for a season of his, his life and kind of just rejected faith altogether. And you want to know what his reason was when I talked to him about it one time? He felt like his parents were completely different. His father, he says, is a, was abusive. He was verbally abusive to the mom. He was uh, mean. He was angry. He was constantly putting them down. And my friend, at this point, he has no interest in any of this because there was a lack of integrity in his home. Integrity is your legacy. Integrity is your peace. And integrity is your protection. Now, here's what I want to tell you today. Here's what I need you to understand. Whenever you hear a message like this, you know that there are three ways you can respond to it. Every message you'll ever hear, and I want to, I want to highlight this, there are three ways you can respond to it. You can either, it's either condemnation, 
uh, determination, or desperation. Okay? These are the three responses that people go to in something like this. Condemnation is this. It's where we look at ourselves and we say, man, I'm a mess. I, you know, I, I, I have been faking it, and there's no hope for me, and I am kind of a lost cause, you know? And, uh, and so as a result, we just kind of do this and say, okay, well, I can't live up to this, you know, these standards. I can't be a person of integrity. I can't live that way, so I'm just going to check out and get out, you know what I mean? And that's what some people do. And that, I'm going to tell you right now, that is not what God wants. God says in his word that in Jesus there is zero condemnation. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. In fact, there's a really cool story in the Gospel of John where this woman who was caught in a moment where she was being something other than what she said she was, she was caught in an affair. She was caught in an adulterous relationship. And Jesus is standing there teaching, and these religious leaders have caught her, and they bring her to Jesus, and they say, Jesus, the law says that this woman deserves to die. And in that day, the, the death sentence was, they would take rocks and they would beat her to death with the stones. I know, very brutal, very brutal death. The law says this, what do you say? And Jesus, some of you know this story, right? This is a great story. Jesus says to the religious leaders, first of all, one thing before what he says, he doesn't say, oh, it's no big deal, we're just going to let her off the hook. That's not what Jesus did here at all. Jesus says to her, says to them, he says, uh, uh, okay, let the one in the circle who is without sin cast the first stone. Let the, let the one who can honestly say that they have no secrets, they have no darkness, they have nothing that would condemn them, let that person who cannot be condemned for anything he or she has done, let that person begin the execution. And Jesus kind of doesn't pay attention to them for a moment. The Bible says he starts drawing the sand. I don't get that. It's kind of weird. Like, you know, even this intense moment, he's like, hey, there's a horse, you know, whatever. I don't know. It's just weird. I'll ask him about that someday. And, uh, and, and he stands back up. He's alone with the woman. He says, woman, where are your accusers? And she said, they've all left. And he says to them, have none of them condemned you? She says, no, my Lord. And he says, very simply, well, neither do I. Go and sin no more. The cool thing about that story is that there was one person, there was one person in that circle who could have condemned because he had no sin and he didn't, he, he, he could have been brought the hammer. You understand what I'm saying? There was one person, but he chose not to. What did he do? He showed grace because Jesus was that one person. And he knew that within a matter of days from that moment, whatever it was, 10 days, 100 days, I don't know. But within a matter of days, he knew that his his destiny was that he would hang on the cross and that he would be there to forgive them of, of, of her sins. And so he offered grace in this moment. So desperate, uh, excuse me, condemnation is not the answer God wants. Determination is not either. Here's where determination is. I'm going to hunker down. I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to get my willpower. I'm going to, I'm going to work on my integrity. I'm going to, I'm going to be a person with, you know, and, and that, here's what's wrong with that. When you respond that way, you're making everything about you. I'm going to fix this problem. I'm going to make it right. I'm going to solve myself. I'm going to save myself. And I'm telling you right now, that is not the answer that God wants, and you cannot do it long term. Number three is the answer. Desperation. God wants you to turn to Him and know that you can do nothing to save yourself in this moment, but you have to let Him handle it for you. Here's what God promised 
Hundreds of years before Jesus came, God made this promise in Ezekiel chapter 36. He says, he speaks of the day of the new covenant, which is the day that we live in, post the cross. After the cross, after Jesus rose from the dead, it's a day of grace. It's a new covenant, which is a, a way that we relate to God. And, and, and the prophet spoke of this day. He says, in that day, which is today, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away and you will no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you and I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. Here's what I know about this. I've never heard of a doctor doing his own heart transplant. Just isn't possible. You know, he may know how to do it, but he can't do it on himself. He's not equipped for that. We need someone else to do it. God makes this promise available to you. He said, I will give you a new heart, and out of that heart will flow obedience. Out of that heart will flow, uh, you know, the, the ability to live up to my standards. That's what God calls us to. That's what God has promised so the answer for you today in the area of integrity, true integrity flows from the heart. And here's what we know about that. Is that God wants to renew your heart. And God wants to help you live up to his standards. Not through willpower and not through quitting, you know, whatever. But, but very simply through you trust in what he has done. And he has made the way for you to be a person who lives up to these standards. Does that make sense? Okay. Awesome.